hi, hi, it's Animation Celery. Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. When the poet says, oh, to substantialize the supposititious ontological quiddity, he's expressing something that I think you'll agree is central to most people's lives. On this girly episode, I'm one of your estro men, Micah. I'm Matsy. I barely understand any of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is Animation Celery, girls edition. Uh, we usually give each other cartoons to watch and then come back and talk about them. So that's what we did. In this case, the cartoons were girl-themed, for however you want to take that. Uh, Micah provided me with a cartoon called Lady Lovely Locks, which I watched an episode of, and I told him to watch the animated special, the special magic of herself, the elf. And we'll talk about those in due course, but first, because we're friends, we need to talk to each other about what we did over the last week. So go ahead, Micah. Wow me. Okay. Uh, so Sunday is Attack on Titan Day. Oh. Um, I yeah. will uh, batten down my hatches and hope I don't get eaten. Right. So um, I don't watch it as soon as it comes out. I watch it on the day, right? But mm. uh, I was waiting for Raven um, and I decided to look on Twitter. What a mistake, right? Oh, yeah. So right away, a spoiler of one character being grievously wounded Hmm. for shame. So I was thinking about, yeah, yeah, spoiler netiquette, right? Like, Hmm. I mean, that's terrible, but it's incredibly hard these days. Like uh, Google itself will spoil you. Uh, You could think you're going to search something that's pretty harmless. Like I might pick a character and go, how tall is whomever, right? And then the Google search results will summarize like, so-and-so is six foot two when he was killed by his brother. You know? <laughs> Not. I saw something, I yeah. saw something like that today. I was looking at a website, GameSpot, which is ostensibly a video game website, but has started branching into other pop culture. Mm-hmm. It was talking about the Mandalorian. And it was, and there was two articles that I saw. One was a major Star Wars character appears in the latest episode. And I don't watch the Mandalorian. So I was like, okay, let me take a look. And it's like, if you want to know, spoilers are below this break. And so I read, I was like, okay. And then I clicked back to the homepage. And like one of the next articles was, well, minor spoiler for the Mandalorian here. (laughs) Okay. Luke Skywalker, or uh, Mark Hamill approves of the new actor playing Luke Skywalker. Hmm. Like, okay, so one article is very careful to warn you about spoilers, and then right below that is a headline that spoils it. Good job. Right. Yeah. Carry on. Uh, Yeah. And Attack on Titan is really terrible, too, because, like, the the manga is done. Mm. So people are leaking that stuff all over the place, too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who's dead? Who's not? Great. We've actually got a co-worker. Um, a co-worker who's really into anime. Do you think I would get along with pretty well? I'd get along with him okay. But I don't talk, yeah. him, I don't talk to him about it <laughs> because right. I can't – I don't understand. The first thing he'll say is like, oh, and this is how it ended. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Why would you do that? Yeah. It's like a new generation. I thought I was safe, though, like watching, you know – 
a few hours after Attack on Titan, uh, after the episode debuted, right? (laughs) Anyway, so that's first Hmm. up. It's it's my gripe with all you you darn spoilers out there. Yeah, not like us who never spoil anything. Well, we're pretty good. And, And most of the stuff we spoil is old as heck, right? That's true, yeah. If anybody really doesn't want to know how Lady Lovely Locks turns out, turn <laughs> off now. Yeah, and we, we forewarned the week before, so you can watch it if you really want to, right? Yeah. Um. Anyway, um, I'll not spoil this next thing, but I, um, I followed the chain of recommendations and watched half of Kid Cosmic. Now, half of the first season or like halfway yes. through? Yes. I should note... Um, I was proven foolish when I went to watch the second season yes. and discovered that there's actually three seasons. So, sorry. Um, <laughs> so if you've watched the first season, that means you've watched a third of it. No, I've not watched the full first season. I've watched to the turning point of the first season. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I gotta say, I like it. Uh, yeah. I think the designs are pretty darn great. Um, mm-hmm. I like all of the, the principal members of, uh, what is it? The, the local defense, local, local, local heroes. heroes, local heroes. Yes. I think I like, um, Papa G best. Something He's I like. pretty cool. Yeah. I like his beard. I like his wrinkles that go into his neck, <laughs> his collar. Right. Um, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> like the, um, Precognitive cat has um, the cat that from the meme who gains like extra planar sight when the thing is put on his head. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I'm not sure. It, it goes wide eyed and then people will often oh, okay. put like kaleidoscopic effects around him like he's having this oh, trance. Okay. So they've clearly doing an homage to this meme with that cat. But mm-hmm. anyway, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, yeah I, I love tuna fish sandwich, too. He's <laughs> yeah. The, on those designs. Well, you know, the, the funny thing is the, uh, they pay homage to pulp comics, you know, like mm-hmm. a, a attacks from outer space kind of things. Right. right. Um, and the comics themselves look like the comics of the era. Yeah. But the show looks more like uh, Sunday funnies, I think. Okay, sure. Like a really good, a really good newspaper comic. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think especially Joe has a very uh, newspaper comic sort of design. Mm-hmm. And thinking on her design, you were saying that her hair is purple. Yes. And as I watched, I was thinking, is her hair really purple or is that the highlight of her black hair? Um, She puts her hair down later. Yeah, I saw that. And you see more purple when it's down. Yeah, it is. It is distinctly purple. Mm. I mean, you know, she's obviously dyed it like it's black underneath. You know, when she pulls it up, you can see the black roots. Oh, okay. But when because I mean, obviously she you know, she's a black lady. She's not. I mean, it wouldn't matter if she was white. She's not going to have purple hair. Well, I was going to contend that her hair is purple, but it says nothing about her character. But Mm. that's interesting. You put it that way that you're actually seeing the less dyed underside when she has it up in her poofy ponytail. Yes. That makes sense to me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I accept that. Her hair is purple. And yeah. she's got to be color-coded to her stone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
anyway, I think the I think the humor is good. Um, mm-hmm. The music didn't bother me like it did you. Um, yeah, I I'll say I'm I am trickling my way through the second season now. Yeah. And I'm really not n- noticing the music as much. Well, like, I was I was to, keen on it because you mentioned mm, it. And yeah. I was thinking like they didn't play it in this episode. They didn't play it in that episode. They don't play it every episode. Yeah, I've I'm I've I went into the episode that I watched today thinking, "Okay, I'm going to keep track of every time they play that song." Yeah. And either they didn't or I just forgot, which means that they're obviously not doing it as much as I was concerned about. I mean, maybe they've learned their lesson. Maybe I was overreacting. I don't know. No, I think it's I, I've watched, I guess, five episodes and I think it's only in three of them. Anyway, mm. I guess that still may be a lot, but not really. And but the, the soundtrack overall is kind of in your face. So I guess it's not like a chill show to watch at all. But yeah, but it's good. It's fun. Um, I really like it. And so so far, I would recommend it as well. Yeah, I'm I've cooled on it just a little bit, like just to the point that, you know, I binged the first season and I'm content to watch like one episode of the day, one episode a day of the second season. I think right. there's sort of an an aspect of, yeah, misfits with superpowers. I've seen this before. Maybe I don't know. Maybe the story of the second season isn't as compelling because it's like them Going on quests, I mentioned that the twist at the end was that there's actually 13 stones. Mm. And so the second season is them questing to find the other stones. Now, immediately, like, this is like a minor spoiler, I guess, for the first episode of the second season. But it's like the first episode. It's the setup of the whole season, sort of. Um, where it introduces a character named Phantos the Amasser, yeah. who he's a fan of the big bad. And okay. to show his fandom, or he is trying to collect the stones just as collectibles. In mm. fact, the ship that crashed that had the stones on them was a delivery ship that was delivering the stones to him. Oh. And he has... I think, uh, let me do the math here. I think he has four other stones on him. Okay. And I think the theme, one of the themes of the second season is that immediately the kid loses his flight stone and gains a slime stone. (laughs) So he can turn into slime, which I think, well... I think it might be a cooler power than flight, but it might not be a cooler power than what the green stone actually does. All right. Hmm. But yeah, and so it's them going around in, you know, episodic, like, oh, this episode, they're going after this stone. This episode, they're going after this stone, you know. Yeah. Um, And the focus of the show really changes to Joe, too. Oh, well, yeah. Good, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's she's interesting character. I don't mind that. Yeah, actually, I, I, I summed my thoughts, but I, I forgot to mention, I also quite like Chuck. <laughs> Chuck oh. Chuck is their first adversary, a, hmm. a an alien with a ray gun and a uh, a translator on his suit uh, so he can speak English. And mm-hmm. he's, he's got a funny voice, but I like that they're so apathetic to having him around. Just this openly hostile enemy. <laughs> that well, is, he is, he's stuck. He's stuck Chuck. Yeah. Yeah, he's stuck, but even so, uh, that 
kid just keeps this guy around who continually belittles him and insults him, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, he'll, I th- he will become more important. And then once that season is over, not important at all. Yeah. I think I would have, like, he's, he's in kind of a junkyard. I think I would have locked him in something like a car trunk or so, you know? <laughs> I wonder if they feed him. Yeah, it kind of sucks that he's, <laughs> like, perp- he's, like, perpetually in kid's house. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I like him, so good. Yeah. Tom Kenny. Oh, yeah, yeah. Took me, took me a while to place the voice. Um, he's doing his magic man from Adventure Time voice. Oh, right. But he's also got, like, a uh, spoken through... Like a speaker, you know, kind of effect yes. because he's being translated. Yeah. yeah, okay. Um, let's see. Oh, remember last week I was listing out good uh, woman characters. Mm-hmm. So I, I know I kind of tried to avoid anime, but I, but I had thought this this came to mind that it was hard for me for as many shows as I like to think like what's the best one, you know? And mm-hmm. I have a contender. It's uh, from a series that I we kind of binged through and then we're done with. And I think a lot of people forget about it. It's uh, called Morty Beto. And the main yeah. character is her name is Balsa. Um, All right. It's an Asian fantasy setting, not in like Avatar. OK. And further comparing to Avatar, it's also got a spirit realm that is very similar to Avatar's. All right. So the storyline is that Balsa is a mercenary spearwoman who uh, is hired to take the prince on the run because a prophecy has made him no longer safe in his own kingdom. Oh. Yeah. And just as a character, she's great. She's um, she's valiant. She's serious, but she's tender. She's got like a lot of depth to her, and she kicks a lot of butt. Um hmm. And the show's got a lot of kind of neat things about it. Like one of the things that uh, Morty Beto, the show that is, that it, it, it uh, hooks me early on. There's a bit where uh, like th- there's like a group that are like archivists. And one of them is is opening the secret passage into the uh, underground chamber of records. So right. he's at like a stone table. And you ever see uh, videos of. Uh, like furniture or boxes that they're just like a million secrets, you know, like you, <laughs> you, you tap the side and a key falls out the other place. And then you have to find the hidden keyhole to turn it, to open this thing, to slide the false bottom, to do this, do that, you know, and you pull out these pieces that fit in there. There are video games based around this concept. Yes. Yes. The room, I think. Is it the room? I think it might be the room. Well, him activating the secret passage is very much like that. I was amazed to the extent they animated this guy, you know, moving this to turn that to do this. this. (laughs) And then just like in various places, there's just kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of it's oddly satisfying, I guess, to use that term when, Mm. you know, there's a bit where they're hiding Balsa and the the prince are hiding in a mill and she's showing them how to work the mill. It's just kind of <laughs> kind of fun. But anyway, yeah. it's it's not all that. It's a lot of her getting into fights and then, you know, going into supernatural places and the like. It's it's a great series, Morbido, and she is a great female character, Balsa. Hmm. Cool. And I got one last point here. There was a campaign to get Frank Welker a Hollywood Walk of Fame star. Hmm. 
Interesting. Yeah. So there was a Twitter campaign, but already uh, Frank Welker has asked them to stop doing it. <laughs> oh. to say he, he's, 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 I guess he's humble, right? And he says, there's other people who deserve it better than me. Please don't do this on my behalf. But I think they're, they're kind of right. Like, in, in, well, yeah. Well, to have him say, oh, they deserve it more than me. Like, I, I don't know. It's funny. They're I'm entertainers. Sure. You know, the, the Hollywood yeah. Walk of Fame is all about entertainers. And, you know, if if Frank Welker has done an admirable job of entertaining, like on the sad day when he passes, mm. people are going to be looking at the article. I mean, it'll probably just be some little article on, you know, CNN or whatever, if that. And people will click it and they'll suddenly start to realize, oh, he was Slimer. Oh, he was like, they're just going to go like realize that basically everyone Nibbler from Futurama, like they're just going to realize, oh, wow, he was in everything that I watched when I was a kid. Oh, and the, th th the ones that blow me away are all the incidental dogs and cats in live action movies. Well, sure. Yeah. Mm. But I mean, <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to go, oh, he was the dog. <laughs> yeah. Like, but like yeah. people are going to like, you know, there are so many iconic Frank Welker characters that, sure. you know, if people actually, you know, you know, we care about this kind of thing because we're cartoon nerds. Me in particular, I'm a voice acting nerd. Yeah. But like the average person who is just kind of ignoring Frank Welker now, um, if they actually looked at everything that he had he's done, they would yeah. kind of go, oh, wow, he's an important part of my childhood. He's been Freddie Jones for decades. <laughs> now, I was saying along those lines, he's all those animals. There are probably quite a few animals that have Hollywood stars. Oh, and sure. Yeah. He himself is several animals. So, and uh, there's also a former president who's got one, unbelievably. But anyway. Well, yeah. Ronald Reagan. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, anyway, I think should have, I, I think sort of who cares about this, but yeah. from the era that he comes from, it would be nice for him. You know, what's the difference between a voice actor and another actor? Just because you don't see them? Well, he's like, he, like come on. He's been in some live action things. I mean, not many, but. Yeah. Yeah, true. But like, but that's what I mean. Like, you know, he's an actor. He's mm -hmm. to be, um, if I remember correctly, to be a voice actor, you have to join uh, the guild, um, the Screen Actors Guild or whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, so like, like there is legitimate actors. I mean, they're, you know, they're not physically acting. You don't get to see them, but it's still acting. Um and it's it is an art which, as I will discuss later in this episode, some people are worse at than others. <laughs> so, are, are there? Is it like moved to the modern era? I don't think so. Right, where like PewDiePie doesn't have a Hollywood star, does he? <laughs> oh, geez. Well, I would hope not. <laughs> um, that's boy. That's an interesting question. I think like, not. I think it's like Do a we, relic at this point. Are, uh, is there going to come a day where there's going to be a hologram of Hatsune Miku accepting her star on the Walk of Fame? Ha. Huh. Yeah. And like bending down into pre-made handprints. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Weird Al Yankovic has a star. And he is not. Hmm. Well, I mean, he is. 
He's not primarily an actor. No. And most of the acting that he's done is voice acting. Like, that's kind of the later stage of his career is that he's kind of shifted more into voice acting than parody music now. Like, he was was the star of Milo Murphy's Law. He was in Star vs. the Force of Evil in one episode. He was in a couple episodes Mm. of Adventure Time. He's in everything now. Hmm, it's a good point. He's, yeah. Anyway, I, I'm for it. I'm I'm for him on that. I mean, he's he's a special voice actor. Sure. Why not? I mean, there's you know there are certain names you know there's like, um, hey, does Mel Blank have a star on the Walk of Fame? I don't off the top of my head. I bet he does. Let me find out just real quickly. Well, Google completes it, so yeah, there he is. He does have he does? one. Yeah. Oh, okay, great. So there's precedent. Yep. And I would argue that uh, Frank Welker has done more than him. So, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure about that, but he's, you know. Oh, he, he, if only in cons- raw tonnage. Well, he is a contemporary, like, you know, he, you, you could compare Frank Welker to Mel Blanc, which you cannot okay. say about a lot of voice actors. All right. Anyway, that's that's all the stuff that's uh, percolating in my brain. How about you, Matsy? Uh, I was going to talk about season two of Kid Cosmic, but oh. I pretty much already said my piece on that. Okay. Um, so we're kind of aligned on that one. Um, I guess the other thing that I wanted to mention is that I've recently re-immersed myself. If you follow me on Twitter, you've seen it. I've re-immersed myself in a video game that I quite like mm-hmm. called Hades, which... I think a lot of people have a high opinion of it was game of the year in many publications for 2020. Um, It is a game where you play as Zagreus, the prince of the underworld in Greek mythology, and you are the son of Hades and Persephone. Mm. And you are trying to escape from the underworld to find your mother who has in Greek mythology escaped from the underworld. And the idea is that nobody can ever get out of the underworld. And so it's a roguelike where there's the rooms are different. Every time you go through, you have to go through increasingly difficult um, areas to try to fight your way out along the way, getting boons, the, the power ups that you get are boons from the various gods of Olympus. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it is, it's a roguelike of Greek mythology. And then at the end of each run, you go back to the palace of the house of Hades. And there you can have conversations with the various people who are hanging out there. (laughs) Uh, People like um, Nyx, the goddess of night, who has been your surrogate mother. Uh, Megara the Fury, who is a former girlfriend, I guess. Uh, mm. Hypnos, the god of sleep, who is the clerk who kind of keeps track of all the dead souls who are coming in. Uh, your mentor who has taught you to fight is Achilles. Um, hmm. and, and so as you go, you talk to them and you learn more about them. You can give them gifts to improve your relationship with them. Um, I'm actually, <laughs> I am in the process of romancing uh, the head of Medusa right now. You know, I'm just looking at this right now, and I was going to comment that I kind of like that as a casual name, Dusa for Medusa. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> hey, no, Dusa. She, Dusa is great. Um, just recently, she was uh, she because when you first see her, 
like she's she's the custodian. She's like always has a feather duster in one of her snakes. Okay. And so she's floating and dusting. And as you get close, she'll spot you and you'll see the sprite on screen go (gasps) and start shaking and like sweating or flowers will come out. And she's really nervous to talk to you. But she warms up to you over time. Um, Well, I mean, she's already warmed you, it turns out. But she's like, you know, she'll be like, oh, uh, Prince, I'm not supposed to talk to you. I I have to go. And she'll fly away and you'll be like, what? Um, But just recently I finished a run and I was walking around and I saw her over in the corner and the the prince kind of went, oh, and you can hear Dusa crying and their little like tear emotes falling out of her. Okay. And I was like, uh-oh, what's going on? And so I went and talked to her and she's like, oh, I, I really shouldn't be talking to you. Miss Nix told me I shouldn't be talking to you. I'm sorry. I have to go. And so she flies away. And so now I'm like, okay, Nix, what did you do? Why did you make Dusa <laughs> cry? Okay. So, I haven't actually found Nyx that I can talk to her yet, um, but I need to get to the bottom of this. I need to find out why she made Deuce a cry. So that as- the story aspect is roguelike as well, eh? Oh, it. I have done, I believe, 137 runs of mm. this game. I've beaten it 50 times. Actually, wait, okay. I think I just did it fifth, the 51st first time recently. Mm. But it just keeps going. Like the relationships that you forge with these characters and the conversations that you have with them just keep going. There's still more to do. Um, I have just recently um, freed Sisyphus from his curse, but I yeah. haven't found him yet to tell him. So... Oh. Yeah, like I've done the paperwork uh, to free him from the curse, but now I have to find him and and tell him that he can stop pushing that boulder, who he calls Boldy and has carved a smiley face into. Like Wilson, the volleyball. (laughs) Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a great game. It is, I was, I, I sometimes try to make a list of my top five video games of all time. And I just recently decided that Hades is on that list. Top if, five. Huh? If I've, you're I've, interested. Hmm? Mm, I've never played it, um, but I do like some roguelikes. Mm. Oh, it's so good. It is the pinnacle of the roguelike genre. If you like, mm. if you like roguelikes, you need to play it. You need to go buy it for your Switch right now and get into it. Or, huh. or PC if you like. But it is, I don't know that I can recommend a game as highly. It is the perfect video game. The only thing hmm. I don't like about it is I don't really like Megara's voice acting very much. Right. I don't okay. like the voice. Like it's kind of scratchy. You know, it, it's hard to describe, but it's this game is excellent. Um, huh. Now, if you're curious, my top five video games of all time. Just OK. In chronological order. Uh, number one in chronological order, Metroid Prime. Oh, I think. Super Metroid is the best of the 2D Metroid games and Metroid Prime like perfectly adapts it into 3D. I got when I got my GameCube, I got Metroid Prime and Animal Crossing and Animal Crossing. You need to play every day. And that was very frustrating for me because I didn't want to stop playing Metroid Prime. I was like, oh, I got to stop this and go talk to my stupid animals. I was like, okay, fine. Here, guys, I'll move your gifts around or whatever and then get back to Metroid. So, yeah, Metroid Prime is perfect. Well, it's not perfect. It is flawed, but it's great. 
I was visiting our friend. I was visiting our friend when those uh, when Metroid Prime was new, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> I was choosing to play Mario Sunshine, and he kept chiding yeah. me like, "No, play the good game. Play the good game." <laughs> and, and I, <laughs> I was just being contrary. I kept on yeah. playing the. Uh, the Mario Sunshine Pachinko <laughs> while he was going at me to, going at me to play Metroid Prime. <laughs> Metroid Prime's real good. I hope they keep because Metroid Prime 4 is supposedly coming and they keep people keep speculating that they might do a Metroid Prime trilogy collection yeah. for the Switch. I mm-hmm. hope they do. I would love to play Metroid Prime again. I mean, I yeah. still own it. I could play it anytime I want, but you know. Uh, <laughs> so Metroid Prime. Okay. Number two. This is a weird one. Picross 3D. Okay. Uh, for the DS. I really like Picross. Picross mm. 3D is a... It's it's like you're given a block and a, a block of blocks and some of them have numbers on them and using those numbers you have to carve a 3D sculpture. I... I played that game nonstop. I love that game. There's not much to say about it. It's great. Uh, they made a sequel which was called Picross 3D Round 2 for the 3DS, and I didn't like it as much. Mm. Um, Picross 3D is great. Okay. Uh, Number three, Diablo 3. Oh. Specifically the Reaper of Souls update. When that game first came out, it was not very overwhelming. Yeah. They, They had this auction house where you could buy stuff from other players. Mm-hmm. Um, which later became a real money auction house where you could buy stuff for real money. And to facilitate that, they made the drops of loot really underwhelming. Fun. Um, and nobody liked it. So when they made the expansion, they added a patch that took the auction house completely out and just improved all the loot across the board. Yeah. And I remember the first time I played it after I installed that patch, I was like, okay, let's see what they did. And Immediately, I, I loaded up this character who had just a bunch of magic, like blue magic items on him. Mm-hmm. And like immediately I was covered in gold items and like exponentially more powerful. Mm-hmm. And I played that game. I played every character in that game through to the level cap. I kept I, I just kept playing and playing and playing. I couldn't stop going back to Diablo 2, which was previously one of my favorite games. Yes, I couldn't do it. Diablo 2 just does not hold up anymore. Hmm. Diablo 3 is awesome. Okay. I never, I've never played it, but I certainly chunked a million hours into Diablo 2. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I Diablo- played, yeah, I played Torchlight, and mm-hmm. 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 I guess I burned out a little bit. I tried Path of Exile, but I kind of hate that game, so <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, well, maybe, maybe in the future, if it ever, <laughs> if there's ever a good reason to talk about it, I'll talk about why I hate that game. But anyway. Go on, please. Yeah. Uh, number four shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Uh, the Binding of Isaac. Mm. Specifically Rebirth, specifically with the Repentance expansion on it. I mean, it is the iconic rogue. Well, I guess the iconic roguelikes would be Spelunky and The Binding of Isaac. Ooh. Um, wonder, if Sp- wonder if Spelunky be on my list. Hmm. Okay. Do you like it? Oh, yeah. I played it Spelunky's a bunch. Right. Yeah. I've got, I'm closing in on 4,000 hours in The Binding of Isaac now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I I can't stop playing that game. Although I have stopped it recently to play number five on my list, which is Hades, 
Okay. Uh, and one more note, not on my list of the top five, because I think it surpasses a list. It's like a, a hall of fame, like beyond everything, mm. which is Mega Man 2. Hmm. Which dun, is... Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Yeah, like that game is like... It's not even the best Mega Man game. I think that might be Mega Man 4. Oh, yeah. But Mega Man 2 is... It was the first game that really got me into playing video games. Like, I, that was the first game that I was, like, genuinely obsessed with. I well, still own... I still have the cartridge. It's what it means to you is the element yeah. in there. Yes, yeah. yes. That game... That should almost be yeah. in the rate on the, on the the rating system. It'd be like graphics and sound and like um, sentiment or you know personal value or sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, GameSpot for a while had something called Tilt, which was oh yeah because they would rate like graphics, sound, control, all that stuff, and then they would have Tilt, which is just an extra number that the reviewer could put in to help influence the rating higher or lower depending on how they felt about it overall. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, Mega Man 2 is like, it's the reason that I still play video games today. Like, my, uh, like mm. that game is Hall of Fame everything. Yeah, I love Mega Man 2. And with that, we should probably move on to our work for this week. All right. All right. All right. So you gave me the special magic of herself, the elf. Directed mm. by Raymond Jaffleis in 1983. So, about herself, the elf. That's the character, herself. Yeah. A royal elf named herself, which gets a little confusing to talk about. <laughs> um, so, these are little winged fairy elves, not superb tall fantasy archer elves. Mm-hmm. Her supreme magic lets her empower all of nature, and she has allies for other elven girls who each specialize in an aspect of nature. This, all of this was a character story and merchandise line from those characters from Cleveland, a division of American Greetings Corporation, the greeting card company responsible for giving us the Care Bears, Strawberry Shortcake, and many other cartoons. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> yes, popples. <laughs> um, get along, gang. Anyway, this story. <laughs> I don't so. know why. Every time you say get along, gang, it makes me laugh. <laughs> so the, twice. I, the, the, the words themselves are. Anyway. Okay, it's, just, so this, it's, it's completely out of my mind. And then you mention it and all of a sudden it floods back. And I'm like, <laughs> Montgomery Moose. <laughs> please, please. We're trying to talk about herself. Right. Um, so, as serene music takes us around a dewy morning in the woods, herself showers and then magically addresses. I like the way she just kind of taps her wand and instantly has clothes. Yeah, I wonder um, why she bothered with the towel. Right. And I guess she can't magically shower. Or maybe it's just pleasing to shower. Anyway. Maybe. Um, and she then executes various tasks from her list to make the woodlands prosper. The first being to grant a caterpillar some glasses to cure its astigmatism. <laughs> she checks off various tasks, such as keeping flowers blooming and breezes blowing. Next is teaching a fawn, as in a baby deer, how to walk. 
Vendetta, a vulture, spies on her work and then returns to its master. Two swamp-dwelling villains, Thorn, a goblinish sort who wears a crown of thorns, but not the Jesus-y torture sort, <laughs> and his daughter, Creeping Ivy. Thorn, to me, looks like Wario and Waluigi's grandfather. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> He's got kind of the, the mustache and the nose. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so uh, now that the king of the elves has passed, Thorn plots to grab power away from the new monarch herself. It's actually Creeping Ivy, though, that matters. She casts vines from her fingers that cross the countryside and imprison herself and additionally disarm her of her wand. The vulture retrieves the rose-tipped wand, um, but a magic, protective magic prohibits its power for one year and a day after being separated from herself. The father and daughter, this is a um, thorn and creeping ivy, sing a song about their plans to eventually use the magic to make everyone unhappy and extinguish all light, which is kind of a curious plan for two creatures that are seemingly plant-based. Well, he's allergic to light, apparently. <laughs> Everything, it seems. Anyway, <laughs> a whole year passes with <laughs> herself in her prison of brambles. Yeah, she had to bury her poop for a year, I guess. Um, anyway, uh, four other enchanted elves search for her, but instead, instead find Wilfy the wood sprite. Each elf introduces herself, which is to say her self, and her sphere of magic. There's Snowdrop, overseer of air and water, basically able to control the weather. Nah. Uh, Meadow Morn, in charge of the animal kingdom. Wood Pink, in charge of colors in nature. And Willow's song, responsible for the sounds in nature. You know, um, I just realized. Yeah. I think I've seen all 13 stones in Kid Cosmic now, and I don't think weather control is one of them. Huh. It's kind of a classic superpower. Yeah. Is uh, changing the colors of things, is that a stone? Mm, no. All right. unless, unless you count Kid changing himself into a green slime. Yeah, I guess so. So their displays of power make a little cloud <laughs> rain on Wilfie. Kind of rude, if you ask me. Um, a caterpillar drop on his head and then change the colors of that caterpillar so that it resembles a coonskin cap. Uh, then Willow's keen hearing detects herself in her prison. And Wilfie's know-how identifies Thorne's secret entry hatch. With only four hours left of lockout on her wand, herself ventures to Thorn's castle, Wilfie and the other elves in tow. So, Meadow Morn summons beavers to build a bridge across the bog to the castle. Yeah, I was worried about that because her spell, it's the thing where the spells are a little rhyme. Yeah. And she summoned literally all the beavers. Like, yes. <laughs> only five of them actually showed up, but she's saying every beaver come here. So, like, I'm thinking that, you know, over the next several months, like, this convoy <laughs> of beavers is going to start showing up. Well, you know, every elf, uh, all the other three subordinate elves, anyway, screw up their magics. <laughs> and Meadow, Meadow doesn't seem to screw it up, but maybe you're right. Maybe you just give it some time, you'd find out that Meadow is also incompetent. Yeah. Um, anyway... So yeah, the, the beavers build a bridge to the castle. Uh, meanwhile, 
Wood pink changes colors of all the animals, including the beavers, to white, so they'll be less sneaky and scary. She's a little spooked by some bugs. Um, on seeing Thorn's vulture, Snowdrop tries to fry it with lightning, but she misses and destroys the bridge. Willow takes a turn at screwing up when she tries to mute the vulture with gentle bird song, but ends up hitting the white beavers instead, making them chirp. <laughs> I was kind of worried, like, um, the one that shot the lightning. Yeah. Um, her spell so, yeah. was something about, like, taking the vulture out once and for all. I'm like, oh, yeah, man, you're like, like, kill that vulture. <laughs> Well, she and, shot lightning at it. <laughs> well, and, and that vulture is going to suffer an even worse fate later. Right. So then they enter the castle and Wilfie, the rogue in this party of spellcasters, <laughs> leads them through to the laboratory. Yeah, it's it's implied that he has been captured previously by Thorn, but mm. they don't really go into that. It's just well, he knows his way around the place. Curiously, he contributes more than some of the other magical elves, but yeah, Um Speaking of which, Woodpink gets separated from the group when she gets preoccupied with looking in the mirror. So they send Willow to find her. Woodpink makes her colors fade away for a very animation cell sort of invisibility yeah. uh, to hide from Creeping Ivy. But her magic doesn't work for long and she ends up getting caught. While herself and Wilfie climb a, with a grappling hook to bypass a door, Vendetta the Vulture attacks. Snowdrop's puttering magic can't save them, and so she and then Meadow are caught. It turns out that all of the elves' magic is contingent on herself's. So, uh, Creeping Ivy captures Wilfie under a test tube. Luckily, kisses from Wilfie's caterpillar uh, hat gross her out long enough for him to get away. When threatened by Creeping Ivy's tentacle vines, herself uses one of the vines like a gymnast's bar, and her dismount springs the villainess from the other end of a plank bridge so that she gets entangled in her own vines. Wilfie and herself finds her wand, but Thorn and Vendetta advance on them while they're reaching for it. With what magic she has left, Willow impersonates Thorn to confuse the vulture. Creeping Ivy then enters with her three prisoner elves, because I guess she got free, uh, but that's handy because herself with her wand recharges all of the other wands. And now they just go ham on the villains. <laughs> uh, Meadow puts Vendetta, an animal, to sleep. For a so thousand years. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Uh, I guess if they were to make more cartoons, you would see him again or her <laughs> again or whatever. But uh, I guess where it stands. Yeah, that's a big curse. <laughs> um, and it's Thorn's pet he's probably heartbroken uh, so then Snowdrop calls Augustine through the window to chill Thorn Meadow the non-screw-up elf brings in fireflies because apparently that's enough light to bother Thorn <laughs> he's, he's got quite a few problems Thorn um, <laughs> then the coup de gras is Willow making creeping ivy's spider earrings play splendid fiddle music. <laughs> I've always didn't even aware that her earrings were spiders. Me neither. And it's weird that you can't really see her ears. Her her hair design doesn't really work in the sense that it would be hiding her ears. And her father's got like long pointy ears. Anyway, 
The fiddle music is so beautiful that it makes Creeping Ivy weep for joy, and her tears uh, make her own vegetation overgrow the castle, transforming its gloominess to verdant beauty. In the chaos, herself and the crew take their leave. And Woodpink's color powers play no part in this victory. <laughs> so at the end, a party is held to celebrate victory and friendship. But Meadow Morn rejects Wilfie at the door, telling him that wood sprites are not allowed. Is this just a fake out? I don't know. But herself pulls him back and assures that he may attend. <laughs> I, I thought it was funny because like they were like, uh, one of them, Woodpink, was like preening herself and wondering if Wilfie was going to be there. Like, you know, there was no rule set down. It's yeah. Just Willow or uh, Wood Me Meadow Morn being a yeah. jerk. Well, if we get into like the deeper personalities of these elves, mm. Meadow Morn is uh, herself's best friend. So I think that Meadow's oh. got like feels threatened by Wilfie. <laughs> yeah. So this show um, is from the Nilvana era. I guess you could say, because Nilvana yeah. eventually gets bought out. Um, yeah. Uh, so this is produced by Michael Hirsch, Patrick Lubert, Clive Smith, and they make all the Nilvana things you love, the Care Bears, Strawberry Shortcake, uh, all the way to Beetlejuice. Yeah, you could, I, I sort of, I didn't watch this before I gave it to you, but I kind of skipped around it a little bit and just, just in the middle of it, just looking at it, I was like, this is animated by Nilvana, wasn't it? Oh, you yeah. You just kind of tell. You know, I don't remember watching this, and I can't tell if the sense that I have watched this is just the amalgam of Nilvana experiences, hmm. you know? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. That I just think, well, maybe I have, I guess. Um, Thorn and, and Ivy are sort of the prototype of No Heart and Shrieky. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the designs are all right in this. Um, okay, yeah. <laughs> what is the scale of the show? Yeah. I can't make I'm... any sense of it. The first time we see herself, she's having a shower in a flower. Yep. And she's next to bugs that are about her size. Yep. But then she's the size of the fawn, of the, of the deer that she's helping walk. Yeah. I had, I had a similar thought when, like, um, the first elf that creeping ivy caught you know fit in her hand and then right. when she's fighting with herself herself is like half her size right well yeah but even even what scale they intend for this to be i don't understand yeah yeah <laughs> is the is the vulture huge or are is creeping ivy the size of a human and then the elves are not really as small as bugs, but more like a foot tall. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's weird. Heck, there's one shot. There's one shot of um, Wilfie with herself. They're on like a um, a windowsill. Yeah. And he looks so much bigger than her. And the thing that was funny was they show the shot twice. They <laughs> go back to it. Oh, well, it's, it's challenging. Like my favorite Oz book um uh, the Tin Man of Oz, mm. the Tin Woodman of Oz, rather. Um, the illustration, there's a giantess who's one of the villains in the book, and the illustrations in there are all over the map for how big people are. <laughs> they they fit in cups, they come up to her knee, who knows? <laughs> um, uh, you know, drawing is tough. I guess that's yeah, what I'll take away from yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I think there's something to this concept. 
I think yeah. in a weird way, like, you know, this show is kind of clumsy as, yeah. you know, 80s specials tend to be. But at the same time, I think it would be possible to do a modern reboot of Herself the Elf that would work. There's kind of one, or at least a concept in 2016. Oh? Yeah, I don't know if it got further than that, but there's a picture. There is a modern picture of herself. Huh. I don't think it went any further, but... Like, it's not, it's not popular enough. It's not Strawberry Shortcake or Care Bears. No, that's true. But it's still, I like... I was a little yeah. bit intrigued by the concept. I was sort of watching it like, there's something here. Well, sure. Sure, that they're all magic and Wilfie is uh, crafty. <laughs> I think that's good. And I like their wands. Their wands are tipped with funny things. Like, one's got a frog on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't mind the idea. Like, I'm I'm selling down their powers. But essentially, you have... The, the control over color ends up being basically illusions yeah. or invisibility. It's like it's got a bigger scope than you first think. And then sound appears to have a bigger scope, too. And plus, she's also uh, she's got super hearing, too. So um, I think you could do some creative things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like I don't, I don't know if there's anything that novel in this. Maybe no. maybe you can see more from the villains. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I looked. I looked at the toys. The toys. I didn't like that much. Uh, I think the technology of their hair was not that great. <laughs> They're all just sort of frizzy. Um, mm. I do like their thin legs going into their uh, very elfin kind of shoes. But yeah, yeah. Um, the, the the designs are kind of cute. I kind of like their facial sure. expressions a lot of the time. And it's funny. I, they do have personalities. Like I think I like. Um, I like Willow. Uh, best. Yeah. I yeah, like how she's too. just generally generally distracted. Yeah, <laughs> she was my favorite. I liked her voice. I I felt like I knew her voice from somewhere. Um, she is a a voice actress named Georgia Engel, who was Love a Lot Bear in the Care Bears. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she also she was also apparently like, I don't know if it's like some mother in law of some stripe. In Everybody Loves Raymond, and she like won an Emmy. For oh, it, if you if if you've watched TV in the past forty years and you saw her face, you would like you would know her face. Hmm, hmm. You'd be like, yeah, her, her. I don't know where, but I know her. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There's a a fair amount of uh, uh recognizable voice actors here. <laughs> I'll start with the, the low end. Denny Dillon is Meadow Morn. Was mm. on a TV show called Dream On. Um, oh. Ellen, Ellen Green as Creeping Ivy. You know her as Audrey from Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, cool. Oh, I didn't realize yeah. that. That's neat. Yeah, yeah. Um, Terry Hawks as Snowdrop, and she is Baby Hugs, Shrieky <laughs> in uh, Care Bears, but also the first dub Sailor Moon. Oh. And I think I, I think the best dub Sailor Moon, um, <laughs> my, in my opinion. <laughs> the character, I should say. Okay. Um, and then Jim Henshaw is Wilfie. And he's Tenderheart on the Care Bears TV series. Mm. Um, this is one that surprised me, though. Jerry Orbach as King Thorn. No kidding. That surprised I, me, too. Well, and his voice. Okay, so this is Nilvana. And, and his voice is kind of like this. And I, I was like, I honestly expected this to be Len Carlson, Burt Raccoon. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you I, did too. I, actually, I actually thought I heard some of Dan Hennessy in his laughing. 
Sure. He sounds he sounds like Nelvana, but Jerry Orbach? Maybe yeah, it's a that... case where he did he did some lines and then <laughs> the regular Nelvana bullpen filled in for some other <laughs> lines he didn't record. I don't know. Because I, I, Jerry Orbach, if you don't know, he's the Law & Order guy, and he's also Lumiere in Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, you may also know him as the dad in Dirty Dancing. But... <laughs> I had that first and I deleted it. <laughs> <laughs> he but, put baby in a corner. Yeah, 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 he did. But no, that's that was wild. Like when I was looking at the voice cast, like, oh, I want to see who Willow Song is and I want to see yeah. who um, Thorn is. And I saw Jerry Orbach's name and I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Unrecognizable. Yeah. yeah. And uh, raspy voice Susan Roman is mm. Wood Pink. And she also did Champ Bear and was Sailor Jupiter in the first dub. Yeah. So, a little yeah. Sailor Moon connection. <laughs> More notable voices than I was expecting. And yet, not Nelvana notable in the way that I was expecting. Really? Eh, interesting little bit of, you know, failed yeah. cartoon history. A bit of nostalgia for something I might have never watched. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Maybe we have something just as uh, unenduring <laughs> to talk about. Um, I think this is actually has less going for it than her selfie elf. Did. <laughs> All right. <laughs> OK, we got Lady Lovely Locks and the Pixie Tales. Lady Lovely Locks is a character uh, created by the American Greetings Corporation, who are the creators of Strawberry Shortcake and Care Bears. And the Popples, among other things. And Get Along Gang. And the Get Along Gang, yes. Um, and they're basically dolls with hair. And they have little, uh, the, the, the pixie tails are little, like, flying bunny things with long ears. And I think the idea was that the toys, like, they could clip onto the toys' hairs, but you could also, like, the little girls who were playing with them could also clip them onto their own hair. I think that's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, not bad. Sure, yeah. why not? Um, that was like 87-ish, I think. Yeah. And that's that's when this cartoon came out, and it lasted longer than herself the elf did. It was more than a special. It was a season. Mm. And yeah, you gave me the first episode. It's it's half-isodes. So this first mm-hmm. episode is two episodes. Where the first part is called To Save My Kingdom. And the idea here is that Lady Lovely Locks is the ruler of a land called Lovely Locks Land. The Kingdom of Lovely Locks, that's what it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she, it's actually kind of a weird lore here. Um, so she rules this land. There's a Duchess Raven Waves who wants her power. There's a sorcerer named Shining Glory and a prince named, I didn't, why didn't I write down his name? Strongheart? Prince Strongheart. I think yeah, the reason weird. I think the reason is because he is mostly known as Prince because you see Prince Strongheart and Shining Glory are cursed. Uh Shining Glory is blind and Prince Strongheart Okay, they they have this crystal in the the heart <laughs> of Lady Lovely Locks's castle. You're making and, this up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's but okay, so the the wizard Shining Glory and Prince Strongheart can go into the crystal 
And while they're there, their curses are lifted. But outside the crystal, Shining Glory is blind and Prince Strongheart is a dog. He has a like amulet that'll let him turn back into a prince, but only when he is not around Lady Lovely Locks. So, which is most of the, most of the time you'd think. Yeah. No. Um, but not for our purposes. Mm-hmm. Now, Lady Lovely Locks implies that she has seen a prince once, but she doesn't realize that the dog known as Prince that's following her around is that prince. Um, also involved, like I said, there's Duchess Raven Waves. She has a uh, beastly style companion called Hairball. And there are also uh, comb gnomes who are little looky from She-Ra kind of things. No, not looky. Uh, what's the uh, cowl? Cowl. Cowl yeah. kind of looking kind of things whose job, I guess, is to mess up people's hair. Um, <laughs> if you haven't noticed, this is a very hair themed show because, you know, hmm? I find it weird that everybody has a hair name except for uh, Strongheart. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. It is. Anyway. Maybe he's the prince of somewhere else. Right. But yeah, like um, Lady Lovelux has two friends, Maiden's Fair Hair, <laughs> which is the most generic name you could have in this world. And, and cur- she's got dark hair. <laughs> and Curly yeah, anyway. Crown. Curly mm. Crown is the other one. Because, you know. Girls in the 80s were only allowed to be interested in being pretty through clothes and hair, cooking food and looking after babies. So, yeah. Um, And yeah, so this is to save my kingdom. And it's it's the first episode and it uh, throws us right in with the idea that Lady Lovely Locks has been gone from her kingdom for quite some time. She's received letters that say that everything is great and she doesn't need to hurry back. But when she does finally get back, uh, she realizes that the place is a desolate wasteland and she is very obviously worried about the state of the place and uh, eager to find out what's wrong, which she has to do by getting back to her castle. Now, Raven Waves... Uh, Raven Waves reveals that she has been writing the letters saying, oh, it's fine. Don't come back. Well, at the same time, intercepting the actual letters from the actual people of the kingdom of Lovely Locks, uh, imploring Lady Lovely Locks to come home. So it's all a setup. So Lady Lovely Locks is trying to get back to her castle. She is harassed by one of the comb gnomes which wants to mess up her hair. And she summons her pixie tails, who I think have names, but they're not important. These little flying <laughs> yeah. bunny things that uh, just kind of throw the comb gnome away into the mud. Huey, Dewey, and Louie. I think that's their names. Sure. Why not? I mean, mm. it may as well be. They also have a speech impediment where they uh, end everything in X, like they're reading an Asterix comic. Oh, I don't think I noticed that. Yes. Oh, you didn't notice? They were like, yes, Lady X will help X. I I didn't want to give them that much attention, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. So, yeah. uh, Then we get to see inside the crystal, as I explained earlier, where we get some exposition from Shining Glory and uh, Prince Strongheart. Kind of even Prince Strongheart has really long hair, which is unusual for a male character. Uh, in this mm. era, because it's all about the hair. 
and we get some exposition explaining their curses and, you know, that that the prince as a dog needs to help out wherever possible. Um, Lady Lovely Lux returns to town and meets up with her friends and uh, they're all excited to see her and they're like, oh, it's been terrible while you've been gone. Oh, no. And she, and Lady Lovely Lux is like, what? And everyone in town is happy to see her come back. Their savior has arrived. They can, she can, she can redeem the world. But Hairball, um, uh, what's her name? Oh, actually, no, not Hairball. Sorry, it's, it's uh, Raven Waves. Raven yeah. Waves shows up and <laughs> I don't know what her plan exactly here is. She jumps on the, the horse that Raven, uh, that uh, Lady Lovelocks is riding and threatens to cut off her hair. And everyone is scared of this. But then uh, Prince, uh, the Prince shows up. I keep wanting to call him his name, but he's just Prince. He shows sure. up and steals the, sh the shears. And uh, that's enough to get Ravenways to jump off the horse. And uh, she's foiled, except that her partner Hairball, he has the magic ability to shrink. And he jumps down and lands in Princess La uh, Lady Lovely Locks's pocket and rides with her into the castle. My favorite part of this is actually the castle because it has a whole bunch of like magical traps, which later we would probably compare this to Hogwarts, the way that the stairs and walls and things move. Right. And I kind of like that. It's actually more effort than they put into pretty much anything else in this show. Just that concept. Oh, setting. Yeah. Like <laughs> there's a bit where in another episode where Raven waves and her henchmen are tunneling to get into the castle, mm -hmm. but there's like hair underground. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. The they, castle, they to... the castle is on a big mass of hair that like, instead of a drawbridge that moves down, the castle is below the bridge and it has this big like mass of hair that pushes the castle up to meet the bridge. Actually, now that we think, now that we're talking about it, I think about how, wild it is to have long hair or to live with someone with long hair. Mm. That stuff, that stuff is just everywhere, man. You like, used to have pretty long hair. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> the house of someone with long hair, the, uh, the back of, you know, behind the toilet seat always has like a mass of hair <laughs> <laughs> or on the floor around it. You know, what are the this toilets kingdom? look like in this kingdom? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. This hair is just everywhere. What a nuisance. Yeah. Anyway, um, in the elevator going up to the looking room of the castle, uh, Hairball finally pops out and makes himself known. And uh, Lady Lovely Locks thwarts him immediately by throwing her cloak over him and getting the pixie tails to tie it up. Hmm. So she goes into her looking room and looks into this crystal, a different crystal than the other one, and basically sees all the devastation that's being caused all around her kingdom. And she just kind of uses the generic magic of her hair to cure it all. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, she just, just kind of sh shakes her hair. Yeah, uh, it's uh. like just by the power of her hair, she's able to make the world uh, better, I guess. And of course, I mean, uh, hmm? it's as arbitrary as waving a stick, but yeah, I guess. Yeah, a, hmm. a wizard with hair as their magical focus. Hmm. arcane focus or whatever that's what that's what she is i guess yeah yeah sure um yeah and then that's basically the end you know the raven waves kind of curses 
and uh, Lovely Locks is like, oh, thanks, Prince. Um, then we get a live action sequence, which I assume must be the actress who played Lady Lovely Locks. No, different different person, I'm pretty sure. Okay, because I'll say that the actress, like the voice acting of, well, the dialogue's pretty bad and Lady Lovely Locks' voice actress doesn't perform it well. Mm. Um, but basically, this is a two minute segment. It's not one of those, you know, quick PSAs like G.I. Joe or the new adventures of He-Man or the original adventures of He-Man had. It's this mm. it's this long um, soliloquy about how important friends are. And mm. like you should make sure to tell your friends how much you appreciate them and, you know, just be good friends and be thankful for your friends and show friends your appreciation to the point that it felt like it was shaming me like or daring me. <laughs> To come on here and mention how much I love Micah, who is Aww. who is legitimately one of my best friends and has been for like 25 years. So it was a worthy two minutes, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, how old would you say Lady Lovely Locks is in that segment? Ooh. Oh, in that I segment? Think, yeah, like 25, maybe. Oh, maybe or maybe a little older. It's hard to tell. Then how, how old would you say she is in the cartoon? Younger. <laughs> she's, she looks younger. Um, yeah, maybe 13. Sure. That maybe. seems like a legitimate. That seems like a, a reasonable age. Which makes me enjoy all the better that Raven Waves just does whatever she wants. And all the adults are cowed to do anything to stop her. Like, that's that's why she just jumps on the horse. Who's going to stop her? You adults? Fie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, here, let me get into the second episode, and then we can start talking more about uh, evil plans. Um, This is called Cruel Pretender. And, hey, wouldn't you know, there's a grand ball coming up. Uh, There's a quick sequence here of... uh, Actually, I shouldn't say quick sequence, because it is really (laughs) long of, of... (laughs) <laughs> the ribbons being put up like Lady Lovely Locks is not happy with the color. And so she gets her pixie tails to put up different ribbons. Mm. Um, yeah. And uh, as they're preparing. <laughs> hmm, sorry. No, no, I'm just I'm just enjoying how much you like the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, as she's preparing, um, Lady Lovely Locks is kind of lamenting. Oh, that prince that I saw earlier. Oh, well. Meanwhile, the dog, Prince, shows up and he's exhausted. If he has a message, he obviously can't deliver it because he's a dog and he can't speak, but he does want Lady Lovely Locks to follow him. So after a quick drink of water, uh, he leads Lovely Locks with her pixie tails along the way to figure out what's up. And it turns out that some comb gnomes have captured uh, Shining Glory. Um... In a net, but she immediately breaks free from. But the comb gnomes also have the ability to lift him up and drop him, which is a <laughs> dastardly um, scheme, I guess. Something uh, a blackguard would do. Yeah, a blackguard. By the way, in Hades, one of the bosses always calls you a blackguard. And that's how I learned that blackguard is spelled blackguard. Right. Anyway. Speaking of black things, uh, this black knight shows up. It's Baron Von Tress. And 
he immediately does what Lady Lovelocks didn't have time to do, which is to thwart the comb gnomes. Um, and he is excited to go to the ball later. And Lady Lovelocks appears smitten, which, of course, has Prince kind of huffing. Uh, when the was there a scene with the crystal here? If there was, it was something mm. confidential, in, in confidential, inconsequential, consequential. Yeah, yeah, I, whatever. There was probably a scene with strong. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 him. I, I think the one you're talking about is uh, Shining Glory and Prince uh, talking about it, and he's saying like, "Oh, well, he's he's moaning about how he can't doesn't have any shot because he's a dog." Right. Okay. Yeah. So then there's the ball. And Baron Von Tress is hanging out with the uh, lovely Lady Locks. Lo- <laughs> I think I got that mixed up with that Black Eyed Peas song right there. <laughs> <laughs> my Locks, my Locks, my lovely, my lovely Lady, lady Locks. Lady, <laughs> 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 oh. <laughs> lady Lovely Lumps. <laughs> That's stupid. Anyway, uh, at the ball, <laughs> Lady Lovely Locks is hanging out with uh, Von Tress and kind of lamenting, no, oh, it's too bad that the villagers can't come to the ball, even though she, I guess, made the ball and made the invitations. Um, and Von Tress decides, oh, we, well, we can go to the villagers. And uh, she's like, oh, sure, yeah, I'll abandon my own party to go out into town with you. And they get yeah. into the carriage and uh, drive off into town. And Von Tress says that he was excited to go to her costume party. And the lady's like, it wasn't a costume party. And so the Baron's like, oh, well, I better take off my costume then. And it turns out it's hairball. And the driver of the carriage is Raven Waves. Oh, no. The plan is once again to steal uh, Lovely Lump's hair. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. But Prince is on the way. Oh, I remember what the crystal thing was now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, right. it's actually kind of important because it's the, the purpose of this ball is that it's the birth of the new moon, like the full moon. Oh, right, right. Okay. And at this time for a brief period, uh, Prince's curse is lifted and he's hoping that he can find an opportunity to have uh, Lady Lovely Lumps see him in his true prince form. And this actually sort of happens as Hairball takes forever threatening to cut the lady's hair and she does nothing about it except squirm. Uh, Well, Prince, this gives Prince the dog time to come and turn into Prince the human long enough to jump onto the carriage and uh, toss... Uh, the raven off into the, uh, uh, the into the water and inside hairball still just not cutting this hair and then the <laughs> <laughs> the carriage finally stops <laughs> yeah yeah okay. the carriage finally stops and when hairball <laughs> stops his important cutting work to look at why the thing is stopped he discovers that uh, this prince is now driving the carriage and uh he gets thrown into the water as well, where Raven Wings, Raven Wings, Raven Waves almost drowns him. Hmm. Now that the uh, the hairball is gone, 
the lady is more at ease and she sees in the reflection of the water, it looks like that prince she saw earlier might be right driving the carriage. So she begs the driver to stop and gets out. But by the time she gets out, Prince has turned back into a dog. Aww. Mm. And she has shining tears and he has shining tears. And then the live action lady gives us that message of, you know, don't judge what people look like on the outside. Take the time to get to know them and what they're like inside and whatever. Unless their hair is really nice. Ooh, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't really understand why the why Prince can't just te- or Shining Glory rather can't just say, hey, you know, uh, you're a fantasy guy. He's that dog. They're in a magical kingdom. That's a good question. Maybe he, is it just out of shame? You know, like, well, I can't let anyone know I'm a prince. No, maybe well, that's I mean, it. He, he wants her to see. No, no, but he's the prince of somewhere. So maybe like the drachma will tumble in value if, if people <laughs> find out the, the prince is a dog. <laughs> oh, geez. Um. Yeah, this show's kind of dumb. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is dumb. Um, it, <laughs> uh, I like the designs in it. I think Lady Lovely Locks has a nice design. Eh, They're okay. multi-hued hair and her yeah. kind of quilty dress. And I'm way into Duchess Raven Waves. Oh, if yeah. this were if this were a show that people remembered, <laughs> <laughs> then I could throw her. So you like girls with purple hair. I like cartoon villains in purple. And uh, I could lump her in with Skeletor and Duke Igthorne. I like how unabashedly bad she is. Sort of. She gets sort of some redeeming episodes, but, um, you know, I I like her look too. And the pattern on her dress is really nice. Mm. I kind of like her nefarious castle with its streams of black hair leading into the palace and her big, uh, her big telescope. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of nice little trappings and some of the episodes have some interesting mythology but you're right it is kind of dumb yeah it's <laughs> it's like the bare minimum like uh here's a story behind these toys so you should probably buy the toys and on top of it all the times that lady is threatened with scissors <laughs> would make make some for some really irresponsible make-believe play for kids right oh gosh oh, i'm gonna cut your yeah it's pretty bad isn't it yeah i hadn't <laughs> thought of that well hopefully hopefully kids have been taught not to play with scissors yeah hey, that maybe that should have been one of the live action segments um, <laughs> maybe maybe there's an the episode first, about magic f- so- scissors or something i don't know sh- should honestly have been the first live action segment um hmm. but being a deep production we get that shuki levy music and this i would say is not the best but still pretty peppy yeah this the the title song is okay actually i thought that was all right yep yeah. yeah um you got no Jerry Orbach in this, but you get uh, Jeannie Elias as uh, Maiden Fairhair, mm-hmm. later Huey and Quackpack, and I quite like her as Margaret and Dennis the Menace. Yeah, she is also um, Princess Toadstool, knee Peach, in uh, yeah. the animated Super Mario Brothers shows of the time. I quite like a uh, girl voice that cracks. <laughs> um there's Stevie Valance. Uh, it's more often credited as Louise Valance as Duchess Raven Waves. Yep. Who is Dixie Kong? In, uh... <laughs> yeah, that's where you know her from. <laughs> yes. 
Um, She's um was at Kangaroo in Zubilee Zoo. Right. Yeah, yeah. A lot of live action things. Yes. Anyway, that's all I have for voices. Oh, you did <laughs> actually. Well, the credits are very sparse on this. Um, what, what was what was the other good one? Shining Glory. Yeah. Brian oh, yeah, yeah. George. Okay. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> uh, you remember he him? Ap- he was yeah. he was Fettuccine in the Care Bears movie and blew my mind for being Babu, very bad yes. man in Seinfeld and also Geed in Diablo Two. <laughs> right. Right. Um, the voice of Lady Lovelylocks herself is uh, Tony St. Vincent, which only caught my attention because I really like the music of the artist St. Vincent. But other than that, who cares? No, she didn't. I don't think she's got a notable career in no. voice acting. No, I actually looked at her on Wikipedia and uh, her name was a hyperlink, but it was red, which means that the hyperlink goes nowhere. She does not even have a Wikipedia page. Well, we'll always have lovely locks. I guess. Sorry, I- Lovely lumps. Lovely, lumpy, lumpy, lady lumpy locks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. All right. I think uh, I think we've covered lovely locks pretty nicely. Yeah, we've said Uh, we've said all about lady lovely locks that needs to be said. Well, uh, after all this girl stuff, all this gross pinkness and stuff, uh, let's go back to the boy stuff like combat. Ah. Like Lords of Yore, we're going to each pick a champion to go to battle. Uh That is to say, we've each picked a cartoon, uh, and they'll arm themselves with some random episodes. And then we'll honestly score them to see who is the winner. Mm. And as I had this idea, I've thrown down the gauntlet and picked first. My champion is Cops, Central Organization of Police Specialists. Yes, and contrary to how we usually do it, I was told this in advance... So yeah. that I could pick something um, comparable. Yeah. And when you said cops, the first thing I thought of was cybernetic enhancement. And that led oh. me to the Bionic 6. Oh, cool. All right. I'm hip to that. Yeah. Sure. Here's the thing, though. We need our dice because we got to roll this out. Yeah. I got mine. Bionic, Bionic 6. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, I was, before we started recording, I said, let me just double check and make sure this is actually a cartoon because I remember the theme song. There you go. All right. So we're going to roll some dice yeah. and. Okay. Yeah, I got my our, list of Bionic random 6. episodes. Yeah. And we're going to use the same numbers for both. So it's even playing field. Okay. All right. So first roll is 48. Okay. So for Bionic 6, that is Season 2, Episode 26, Triple Cross. Oh, sounds exciting. What is it in Cops? Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, 48, we were looking at (laughs) the case of the lesser of two weevils. Weevils? Oh, man. Now, I think this is a sequel episode, but I trust us being savvy enough to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, it's funny because I'm looking through this Bionic 6 list and boy, there's a lot of episodes with the word scarab in them. <clears throat> All right. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'll, I'll give you a little preview of this episode to excite, to whet everyone's appetite. I'll just read the first part of the first sentence. 
the Bugman escapes from prison when his prized weevil Gaylord gets brainwashed. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait to see what Gaylord does. All right. Second episode. <laughs> 38. I think I know what this one is. Yeah. Oh, maybe I don't. It's, it is in Bionic 6 terms, it's called You've Come a Long Way, Baby. Heh. Okay. And it's going to be contending against the case of the visiting mother. Hmm. So I guess we'll look forward to that. Yeah, special special battle episode of Animation Celery. All right, my champion is Bionic 6. His champion is uh, the other one, Cops. Yeah, so look forward to that next week. Uh, in the meanwhile, tell us how we're doing, what to watch, and how many guineas you're wagering on this duel. I'm at Drab Swatch. If they were... If you... I'm trying to figure out how I can make this work. If <laughs> what if you win uh, and you yeah. get all the guineas that people are wagering, does that make you a guinea pig? Oh, my God. There's your Celery Stalker <laughs> it, slogan. Oh, I'm AC Matsy. No, celery no, no, Stalker no. Slogan. No, no, that, that, no. I'm AC Matsy. This is a good show. Everybody should listen to it. Celery Stalker slogan. You've not seen the last of me. Tell him, Daddy!